trying to find some space, and he gets drilled by Malik Jefferson as each second goes by. I mean, great pursuit, and then a, just a terrific tackle from Jefferson. I feel like it. Smoke one when I feel like it. Yeah. When I feel like it. Pull up when I feel like it. Yeah. When I feel like it. Cash out when I feel like it. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Draft Daily. I'm really excited for today's episode when we're going to break down Malik Jefferson with Alex Dunlop of Roster Watch. But before we jump into that, a word from our sponsor. Have you ever wished you could be an NFL general manager? Well, now you can, thanks to Reality Sports Online, a powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy teams like an NFL general manager. Reality Sports Online was created by former NFL front office personnel and features the revolutionary free agency auction room, which mimics NFL free agency, enabling fantasy owners to negotiate and sign the NFL's top talent to single or multi-year contracts. The platform can host up to 32 teams and has a ton of other cool features as well. In addition to free agency, like a rookie draft, multi-team trades, franchise tags, contract extensions, first-round rookie options, automatic contract and salary cap functionality, and much, much more. Test your general manager skills for free at realitysportsonline.com and a mock free agency auction. If you like what you see, use promo code DD to receive 10% discount on your team or league today. Fantasy just got real at realitysportsonline.com. Alex, I'm really pumped to talk to you. I followed a lot of your stuff. You got an awesome website over there at rosterwatch.com, your radio show on Sirius XM. How's everything going today? Oh, great, brother. Thanks so much for having me. I'm a big fan of the podcast. I probably started listening. I don't know, man. Like I listened to the first pod, and um, that day I just tw- I tweeted it out to all of our followers at Roster Watch. I said, "This is a great pod. You guys need to be listening to." I appreciate how you guys put it out every day. And being a guy that does, you know, I have a fantasy football company, so I focus predominantly on running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, and tight ends. But um, the, your your podcast has been extremely helpful for me because the only real defensive players that I watch with such maniacal effort are, of course, these Texas Longhorn players who I chart uh, every play by every single one of them throughout their entire career. So I know all there is to know about these Texas defensive players and some of these others. But uh, as far as the rest of the draft landscape, your, your pods help me a lot with kind of putting the pieces together regarding who's who. So. Well, I really appreciate that, man. I'm trying. And, you know, I, we're doing more offensive guys than defensive guys so far because a lot of people are, are like you where the, the draft is about their favorite team or about their dynasty or fantasy teams and they're more interested <laughs> on the offensive side of the ball. But, you know, Malik Jefferson's a really interesting guy. I know you talked to me like a month ago about he's, he's the guy you want to talk about. You've been following him for a while. He was a five-star recruit, right, the best uh, linebacker recruit in the country. So if you give us a little background on him and wh- when you watch his game, what gets you most excited about his game? Uh, well, Malik Jefferson, uh, you know, three years at Texas. And if you look at him over the course of his three years, uh, played 585 snaps as a freshman. And that was really when he burst onto the scene. Uh, I-, I chart a whole bunch of different statistics for these defensive guys, tackles, assisted tackles, sats, quarterback hits, quarterback pressures, tackle for a loss, batted passes, uh, fumbles caused, fumbles recovered, run stuffs, pass breakups, interceptions, uh, blowups, which is like a pass breakup where you blow up the pass catcher, touchdown safeties, lockdown bonuses, uh, times thrown at, missed tackles, completion percentage, burns, and blown contains. So it, it's, a, it's a whole bunch of different things that I've kind of put into my equation here for the market share of the Texas defensive production. And Malik Jefferson in his freshman season at Texas was – be a market share production leader, even over Hassan Ridgeway, 
who went on to be drafted, I believe, in the, the fourth round by the Indianapolis Colts that year, uh, coming out early. So Malik Jefferson, in his freshman season, they were ready to put a statue up on, on campus uh, for the guy. Uh, 2016, Malik got hurt, only played 570 snaps that season. I don't know if it was a – I mean, they say it was concussion symptoms. I thought it was something, you know, I don't know. Looking back, I think it was probably a concussion, but – during the time they told us it was kind of a sickness, it seemed like mono or something like that. He missed some time that season. That, of course, was Charlie Strong's last season at Texas. And then in 2017, whenever Todd Orlando and uh, Tom Herman got here, uh, that was when he was the first time healthy for all uh, all the games of the season, except for the bowl game, which he sat out. Um, 787 snaps this season and on a snaps per production and or disruption cause basis. 7.11, which is back there just a little bit better than it was in his freshman season. The other real uptake that you saw with this, whenever the defense moved to the 3-4 under Todd Orlando, a 3-4 nickel base, and with Malik Jefferson playing at both the Mike and the Will inside linebacker position, is that with these guys, these Puna Ford and Chris Nelson two-gapping there in front of Malik and uh, allowing him to run free sideline to sideline to penetrate, uh, or pen- penetrate A-gap, as a uh, as a as a blitzer and just kind of freeing him up to not get so much mud on him as he's just uh, you know trying trying to trying to scrape and uh, ice pick back against the plays action while engaged that helped him immensely we saw his number of stuffs go up we saw him have more he had 11.5 tackles for a loss which is more than in both of those previous seasons combined and he was just a more uh, uh, generally an overall more effective player in his senior season uh, than than he was in all the others as far as what you know, stands out to me the most with Malik. First of all, he's the guy that when he walks into a room, he lights up a room. Uh, Charlie Strong compared him in that way to Tim Tebow as kind of being the leader of the uh, leader of his recruiting class back in 2015, and also a guy that all the media loves and flocks to is a dude who's always smiling, always seems to be a real happy-go-lucky guy. He's a, honestly a, a, a real pleasure to be around. His speed, his athleticism. Um, all things that whenever he's freed up in the right scheme uh, to, to get to those spots, it's just, it's completely apparent that the dude could play on another level, but you know, th- there are definitely a couple of drawbacks to his game as well. Yeah. When I watch his game, I mean, obviously you talked about him as an athlete. He lit up the combine, right? With the four, five, two, the 36 inch vertical, the 125 inch broad jump and the 27 reps on the bench. And those were all, uh, what 80th percentile or better, except for the vertical, yeah. which is 60. And he's and he's and he's gonna jump 40 at the pro day. Yeah, I mean, so he's he's been jumping 40 at APEC for the last month. So then there you go, and it's it's pretty apparent when you watch him that he's a really good athlete. I thought a couple things he did incredibly well was one is his hit power. When he hits you, you go backwards or he stands you up. He you rarely run through his tackle. He will miss some tackles time to time. I think that's. Uh, but I, I think he's a good form tackler and has good hit power. I think he's really good on the backside of plays when he fills in plays and uses his speed, his closing speed, to shoot through gaps. I think that's where he's at his strength. When you use him as a blitzer, his athleticism uh, is terrific. If there's an open gap, he can close it. And I think it, he throws off quarterbacks sometimes with how quickly he closes the gap and they have to get rid of the ball quicker than they're they're ready to do. I mean, whether you look at the sack numbers, I think he had, what, 13 in his career? Maybe I'm... Uh, so, it's, uh, yeah, thir- 13 sacks. Yeah, so 13 sacks in his career. I mean, that that's that's productive for a guy that's... You're not going to make him an edge rusher by any means. He's not developed as a pass rusher, but he's got that closing speed. And today's NFL, 
is all about athleticism at linebacker and the fact that he can make plays in space and is really good coming forward. I, I think those are all aspects of his game that I really like. Yeah, and you know the the, the other thing you mentioned his his hips and his uh, his 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 explosion through the ball carrier whenever he gets to the ball carrier. He's a guy who I believe was noted as being pretty pretty good on the power clean whenever they you know and you know how the power clean is such a uh, such a such a lift of hips uh, coordinated hip explosion he's he's really athletic in that way and all when you talk about his hips man you can also can talk about how loose his hips are as a guy who can turn and run and cover he doesn't necessarily always identify um identify his coverage responsibilities that fast but man once he gets his hips turned and he can cover like you said he can erase a whole lot of those issues really quick with his closing speed and also you know you mentioned it earlier but talk about you know erasing he can erase these 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 runners angles when they're trying to get off tackle if, if, if he gets a clean shot at them he just he, he closes with an incredible amount of speed i'm not even sure that that 4.54 at the combine is completely indicative of how just how fast he looks at times on the field. He just looks like a shark. He just he gets there faster than anybody else. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. When you watch his game, what are some of the concerns that you have? Oh, plenty. He is absolutely horrible at taking on blocks at the second level. He gets his leverage all wrong. He gets his head on the wrong side of these blockers. Um, he gets washed out with the flow of the play. He's I mean, At this point in time, I feel like he's incapable of ice picking back. Uh, against the flow of the play once he does get on the wrong side. I remember if you watched the 2016, I believe the Oklahoma game, that was the game where Samaj P. Ryan walked up to Coach Strong right after that game. He said, Coach, 46 don't want none of me. You know what I mean? He said, he, said he, he don't want any of me. Uh, there, there were times wherever he just seemed like he was averse to contact. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I'm, I don't think he's soft. I think he's a great kid. I'm not saying I think he's soft. I think that when he's freed up to run sideline to sideline in a 3-4 where those big boys are two-gapping in front of him and he stays clean, that dude's a beast, man. But, you know, whenever it's a, whenever you got a Hassan Ridgeway or one of these guys is a B-gap penetrator, like you, you can let these guards, you know, let one of these guards or one of these centers or one of these fullbacks get to the second level on Malik Jefferson. If he, if he gets his hands on him, if he gets his hands in, in, inside of his uh, – inside of his chest plate, Malik's going to have a hard time getting off. And that's why I think you were very astute earlier to mention that he seems like a guy that would be the epic prospect off the edge, but we never, they tried him off the edge. It never really worked because once guys get their hands on him, man, they can kind of wash him out. So uh, that's a, that's a big issue for me. I feel like he needs to get stronger. I think he can get stronger. He needs to work on his hands and his counters. I think he can get better because the guy who's my comparison for him, I know you're probably going to ask about that later, so I won't say who it is, but the guy who's my comparison for him had those same issues in college and has managed to work through them and and be a good player in other aspects of the game. So I I think that those are things that Malik needs to certainly work on. I mentioned it earlier. I don't think he's always the quickest to diagnose his exact coverage responsibilities, Um, but I do think that he's fairly instinctive as far as when they're in zone, sitting back in, in, into his uh, zone shell. I think when it's, uh, stuff where he's at, where he's asked to for cover seam responsibility, things like that, and more of these man concepts. I think that he's sometimes a little bit slow to uh, identify his responsibility. With that said, I think he makes up for it with very, very elite closing and trailing speed. Um, but I mean, the the biggest knock for sure is the inability to get off blocks, the inability to shed blocks, and the seeming like. I mean, through three years, I've just said it and said it, the seeming like inability to understand what leverage is at the second level. Yeah, I think those are really good points. I mean, the taking on the blocking is the first thing I wrote down when I was watching this game because it kept coming up over and over and over again. And 
You, I, I mentioned in his strengths that when the play was going the opposite direction of him, I thought he was really good because he was the free the free linebacker and was in space and could use his closing speed. When they were, when teams would run plays at him, I, your point of him getting washed out of the play is just so good. I mean, he would once a, a lineman got their hands on him, he was dead like every single time, and that's worrisome as a linebacker. And we'll get into ideal landing spot or places you you can play him because. If, if you're going to ask him to take on blocks, he's going to really struggle in that role. He The only way he does is he tries to avoid you at times with his athleticism, but if that doesn't work, then then he's dead. I liked him in zone coverage, especially coming down. I wish he got a little bit more depth. I think sometimes he could be out of position a little bit. But, when he again, when he comes down in that closing speed, once he recognizes and feels confident with his recognition, his athleticism takes over, and it's really That's good. exactly it. That's exactly it. And then exactly. you mentioned the man coverage thing. I mean, mo- the thing is, is tough is that so many of these college teams in general are playing zone predominantly with their linebackers. Not They're not turning and running that often. Uh, so there's there's limited reps to see it. When you see it, I think, like you mentioned, his hips are good and his speed is good so that he, he probably can develop that aspect of his game. He has the traits, I think, where he could be that three-down linebacker and turn and run with a guy. But the the taking on blocks is a major uh, concern of mine. I think sometimes he's not the quickest to read the play either. I think um, that that's another issue I have with his game. But I, I think there's definitely a lot of talent there. There's definitely legitimate concerns that could hold him back. And it's one of the reasons that we I talk about this a lot on the podcast, but where he goes could be a really important aspect of his potential success. You you mentioned you had a good player comp for him. When you watch him, who does he remind you of? Well, like I told you earlier, Elliot, like like I said, I'm a fan, I, we're a fantasy football company, and it's like I watch many of these Texas guys. But I think this comp is actually really good. It's Jordan Hicks. Um, I've always said that Malik reminds me of Jordan Hicks because Hicks, when he came out, was the same kind of – athlete he was he won the number one linebacker in the country he was maybe number two in the country he was a huge recruit for texas uh, to get him out of uh cincinnati or philly or wherever you know he was an out-of-state kid and um he, with, with hicks he never kind of like malik man he never quite lived quite lived up to the hype that he had coming in but still turned into a really good player at texas um there were the same issues with Hicks, as far as being able to get off blocks, as far as being able to um, being able to disengage from defenders in, in, in free space and get his run fits right. And there was the same kind of, I guess, positives with Jordan Hicks, with his ability to turn and run with these guys, with his kind of natural instincts in coverage whenever he whenever he did recognize things on time. And also just his ability that when he was able to run free, when he was able to scrape freely uh, to 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 see gap and 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 be able to you know be able to get to his spots whenever he needed to, he was he was super effective. But it had a lot to do with him staying clean. And so I, I think that I mean they're kind of the same size. They both are Big Twelve linebackers from the same school. They they just they really. Re- they really remind me of each other, and so I, I know it's probably an easy one to do because it's another Texas guy, but it's a it's a comp that I kind of like more. No, absolutely. I mean, listen, I, I talk about this all the time on the show. Is that player comparisons? You're, you're talking about indiv- specific traits to try to give paint a picture for what a player's like, and I think that's a really good point with Hicks, where you know he came in with all that hype, and then he was a good player, maybe even great player, but not this elite superstar. And I th- I think you get a lot of that with Malik as well. Is that you almost wonder if he was a four-star recruit, if we'd be talking about a guy that, you know, he's got some flaws in his game, but he he's someone to be excited about. Sometimes when you have that, like, incredible hype, it, it's hard to get past it when someone's just good and not, like, an elite player. 
So I, I'm I'm a Jets fan. I, I say that probably too much on the podcast. I don't even know why I say it out loud anymore with the word <laughs> football. But one of the guys he remind one of the guys he reminds me of a little bit is uh, David Harris because of his tackling ability and kind of when Harris was left clean, sometimes he could struggle to get off blocks. But when Harris was left clean, he could really he had a lot of hit power and would really stand up players. So that aspect of his game reminds me of Harris. Harris played a little more. Mike, we'll we'll, we'll talk about it in a second where you want to see Malik Jefferson play. But I, I'm just in from a, in terms of a tackling, he'll wrap up, he'll drive through you. He reminded me some of David Harris. We we talked about Jefferson's got his strengths and weaknesses. In order for him to have like the most success in his career, is there a team you'd like to see him go to or a position you'd like to see him play? Yeah, uh, well, as far as the position I'd like to see him play, and he, I mean, he needs to play inside linebacker. I think I think he's pretty scheme versatile. I I, I would prefer him in a three four at the um, at the at the weak inside linebacker position, and for that reason. I, you look around, and I think that the best fit would be uh, what's the what's the new Giants defensive coordinator Fetcher Fetcher from uh, from the Cardinals. Yeah. Um, I think that that would be a great fit, man. Look, look, Dave Gettleman is a guy who, if you look at the way that Dave Gettleman built the defense in Carolina. That is a defense that was built completely opposite of the way that that defense has been built in New York because that defense was built around the strong foundation of the linebackers. Um, The defense in New York has been built around secondary and pass rush. Um, They're going to be transitioning from a 4-3 or, yeah, from a 4-3 to now with a 3-4. I think that now that we've already seen Gettleman address the linebacker position with getting Alec Ogletree in there. I think they're going to continue to try and fortify that thing and build strength through that thing. I think you get some speed next to Alec Ogletree. You get it in – you get Malik Jefferson in that kind of spot. That's a great need for those guys. Their linebackers are all crappy. I think that it would be a – I think, you know, Malik Jefferson in the second, third round to the New York Giants would be an awesome fit for him. It'd be a place where they have a lot of linebackers. None are really any standout guys, so you might have a little bit of time to develop. But, you know, put that speed next to an Alec Ogletree and, uh, you know, give him some clean lanes to kind of, you know, clean up and do – uh, let, let Ogletree do some of the dirty work. I think that that would be an excellent spot for him. It's funny that you say that because that was the exact spot I <laughs> I wrote down. And <laughs> it's it's funny because the Giants have never valued linebackers for like a decade. So they ha- and Gettleman's whole system, like you talked about, was valuing athletic linebackers that can move in space and cover and all that stuff. I mean, if you look at Keekley and Thomas Davis and Shaq Thompson, like. Jefferson is in that mold of linebacker. And then you add in the fact that they don't have anyone outside Alec Ogletree, like you mentioned. And they have Damon Harrison, who might be the best run-stuffing interior lineman in the NFL. And he's a guy that, you know, when he played for the Jets in that 3-4 system, I mentioned David Harris, he really kept a lot of these guys clean. So I think that's that's an excellent call. If I wanted to go someplace else, I wouldn't hate him next to Reuben Foster. I wouldn't mind him in uh, Oakland because I, th- I think they could use linebacker play. I'm not sure how, sure how great their their guys are keeping guys off blocks, but I, I agree with the Giants fit. I was actually really pumped about that. I, I didn't know if you were going to have that. Um, I was Jersey guy, I was excited for it. But yeah, I think the Giants fit is perfect. Yeah, and, and I think that's probably about where he's going to end up going. I think he'll probably end up going. You know, of course, he, you know, you wouldn't see him going in the you know the first uh, the top five picks or whatever, but. I think Malik's probably going to go sometime in, in day two. So if that was something that they chose to address a little bit later, I think that he's a guy who could be around there. Yeah, I, I agree. Because that would be an early round three pick would be my guess. And my guess is he goes late round two, early round three. So that makes a lot of sense. 
to me. Listen, Alex, this was an awesome conversation. I'm a big fan of yours. Why don't you tell the people where they can find you? Yeah, you can just uh, you can follow me on Twitter. It's at rosterwatch. You can find all my content at rosterwatch.com, rosterwatch podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, rosterwatch.com backslash podcast, and also hear the Rosterwatch radio show on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. Guys, that's something you have to check out. Guys, again, he's Alex Dunlop. You can follow him on Twitter at rosterwatch. I'm Elliot Christ, as always, your host of the Draft Daily Podcast. You can listen in on iTunes, Google, and Stitcher Play. We really appreciate listening, guys. Thank you. I don't even know how much I really made. I forgot. It's a lie. Oh, that never mind what I got. Don't watch that because I came up that's all me stay true that's all me no help that's all me all me for real came up that's all me stay true that's all